This morning, I want us to consider the topic of those who serve well. There is a typo in the bulletin. The passage from Timothy will be 1 Timothy chapter 3, not chapter 5. I believe uh, the passages we look at this morning are a fitting focus for how we began the service with the laying on of hands and prayers by the deacons for a newly elected deacon. I hasten to say that each follower of Christ is vital to the strength, the well-being, and the work of a local congregation. The spiritual things in our lives, along with the working of the Spirit in the lives of His people, and just a side note, the Scripture says that we should submit ourselves to His Spirit. We should desire to be filled by His Spirit day by day. A daily thing. Why? Because if someone noticed in kind of a humorous way, because it leaks out. Life has a way of crowding in and claiming our focus in so many directions. So that's why Paul wrote in one of his letters, do not be filled with much wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Our willingness to serve Jesus to our fullest as we use our own leadership skills as we draw on our own life experiences, these coupled with, as a child of God, one gifted with a spiritual gift, these things work to enable one to serve Christ as our Lord and Savior, to serve Him well. Today we live in a very materialistic society, do we not? And I believe that in many ways our society has moved away from its moral and faith foundations. Even within the local congregations, we sometimes lose sight of the importance of our work and the value of the one who serves Christ in his or her role of leadership, and that most certainly includes the one who serves Christ and his church as a deacon leader. So this morning I want us to understand that the role of the deacon is essential. It is essential to the function and the work of the local church. For each one of us, our worship of God is expressed in our words our words that we speak, the words that we sing, as well as in the prayers we offer and in the actions, the things that we do. Our love for God and our thankfulness to God for our salvation is expressed through the giving of our time in worship and by the use of our talents in ministry and through our own personal example. According to the Bible, it is God himself who has established the church. Remember that on the occasion that Jesus asked his disciples 
Who do they say that I am? And it was Peter who declared, You are the Christ. And Jesus said, Upon this I shall build my church. Upon that declaration of faith, that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed, the Son of God, come to seek and to save those who were lost. The church is, grows out of the heart of God for those of the people who will humble themselves, come to know and to receive Jesus as Savior and to serve and honor him as Lord. It was many years ago that the first church was established. We can read about it in the book of Acts. Imagine there, Jesus had ascended unto heaven, and he had said to his disciples that they were to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. But we know that because his manner of death was by crucifixion, that those early disciples had fear, and they hid in an upper room. And we know that while in the upper room, there was a dramatic, a mighty wind. The sound of a mighty wind as the Spirit of God ushered in and filled that place, but more importantly, filled their hearts, their lives. And what happened? they ultimately went out into the streets of Jerusalem and began to preach concerning Jesus, crucified for our sins unto salvation, Jesus in whom there is life and life everlasting. So the church began many years ago, and it very soon became apparent there would be the need of some of those early believers to assist the apostles with the care of the larger group of new believers. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse, one, uh, verse 11, it says, And he gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. But back there in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, we read of the appointment of those who were chosen to help serve in the distribution of the food to the needs of the widows who had no other provider. And the scripture records there were seven men who were chosen by the apostles to assist in that important work. Those first seven men were chosen on their basis of being what? Men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And they were put in charge for the distribution of food to the widows. And the reason these first deacons were chosen for that task was so that the apostles could better devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word because they knew that they had been appointed by God to go forth and preach 
Christ unto salvation. Back in that first century, the office of deacon was not as formalized as it is today. But what is the same back then and today? Those who serve Christ and his church in the role of deacon are called to serve as a servant leader. Now, a few moments ago, as we began the service, we had the laying on of hands as prayers were spoken. Why do we do that? The example is given there in the New Testament. Milton has already been active in the deacons' meetings that I've been in attendance with recently. I've appreciated his words, his comments of encouragement, but also his prayers for you, the church, and for me as a pastor. Milton and his wife together are called to exemplify what it is to be servant leaders of a local church. For a few moments, let me challenge the thinking of each one of you. The word deacon means one who serves. The deacon is called to be a servant of the Lord and his church and by their personal example and through their shared input with others who serve as deacons and by their input to me as a pastor that together we discuss and we pray and we try to deal with all matters relating to the health the unity and the function of this congregation. Many generations ago, those who were first chosen as deacons were made responsible for distributing the food to the needy. That was done for the purpose of freeing the disciples for the work that was more uniquely theirs of pre preaching the word of the gospel. Even today, the work of the deacon may involve personal visits with some of you as members, a phone call, a card, a calling to say, I heard that you were not feeling well this week. How are you feeling today? I've been remembering you in prayer and affirming, building up that person as one who is of real importance to this congregation and to who we are as a local church. The early church formed following the coming of the Spirit into the lives of those gathered in the upper room. As they were emboldened by his Spirit, they were sent out into the streets of Jerusalem, and the Bible tells us that as they proclaimed what we speak of as the gospel, that there were 5,000 people who believed and who became members of that early church 
established there in the city of Jerusalem. As the teaching leaders of that new church, the apostles could not minister to every need and every individual concern by themselves. That would have been an impossible task. And therefore, these seven were chosen to assist with the oversee for the welfare, the well-being of that early church. Your deacons, the deacons of this church, have an active plan, a plan which they act on for family ministry. Some of you have received a letter from your family deacon. You may have received a phone call. You may have received a card if you were ill or recently, as we've noted, the death of a mother of the one whom is new in the role as deacon. I believe that the deacons of this church generally desire to become better acquainted particularly with those of you who are much newer to this congregation. Let's reflect for a moment. What are the qualifications of the one who would serve as a deacon? Acts chapter 6, verse 3 says, Men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And then in the Timothy passage, Paul, as he wrote to young Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, that expands our understanding. Verse 7 and 8 must have a good reputation with whom? With those outside of the church. It is an assumption. It is assumed that the one that serves as a deacon has a good reputation of, with those inside the church, but the Scripture says those outside the church so that they will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. This means that the one that serves Christ in his church as a deacon is not double-tongued. It is not an individual who cannot be trusted to speak the truth, that if you ask a question, you can trust that the answer they give is the truth as best as they know to give it. The Bible clearly tells us that the one who serves Christ and his church as a deacon must be one who speaks the truth and one who knows the importance of being a good example because others look to see how a deacon, a pastor, how we serve as a godly example. That same qualification should rightly apply to each one who is named Christ the Savior, but we do identify those who serve specifically as deacons and those who stand before the congregation as pastor, that our examples should be examples worthy of others to follow. Part of what that means is the deacon, for example, does not focus on his own agenda. 
but rather he focuses on the things of the Lord and focuses on what needs to be done to strengthen the church, to strengthen the relationships between its members and to focus on strengthening the witness and the focus of the church to make a greater impact into the larger community. I do not know how long I will have the privilege or the capability to serve as pastor, but I can say to you my hope and prayer is this, that when the time comes that I no longer stand here to proclaim the scripture on a Sunday morning, when I am no longer here, my hope and prayer is that this church will have grown to where it has a more impactful witness in the larger community than the impact that it has right now. What I'm saying is we're always challenged to be more than we are today, to keep on growing as individuals and as a church. The Bible also says that the deacon is one who's not addicted to much wine. This word of the Scripture, as I understand it, does not prohibit the use of wine altogether. In fact, you may remember Paul wrote to young Timothy that a little bit of wine is good for your stomach. But what is found there in the qualifications of the deacon leader is that that deacon is not addicted to wine. Being addicted is different than taking a little. There's a great difference there. And then it uses that term or fond of sordid gain, ill-gotten gain, ill-gotten money. I'm concerned again and again as we hear reports out of Washington or even in local governments sometimes of those who have ill-gotten gain, who have taken money under the table, or who have done a favor and have received a wealth of income. Those who serve as deacons, the Scripture says, are neither addicted to wine, much wine, or to sard gain, which is material wealth, ill-gotten. God is grieved if and whenever we are not good stewards of the wealth, the material possessions that are entrusted to us. And then the scripture says that deacons must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I believe this has to do with wholeheartedly believing in God's unconditional, inclusive love and reconciling grace. I believe that it has to do with the understanding that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I believe it has to do with that each one who names Christ as his or her Savior and Lord is called to live in such a way that others can see and in what others hear. They know that you or I are a follower of Christ. The Bible also says that the deacon is to be tested. 
This means that the one that we select to serve Christ in this church as a deacon, that there's already credible evidence in that individual's personal and church life as to their godly character, their trustworthiness, and their ability to serve. You know my wife, Pat, she's somewhat outspoken. She doesn't know a stranger. But she's also a good judge of people. Even before we knew this man and his wife, and he stood up here or he stood where he was, my wife said, that man has it together. The world needs to see that you and I have something that they're lacking. It has to do with the quality of our character, the moral foundation upon which we stand, the family values that we hold dear to our heart, that we know that money is not what we're most desired to seek, it is to be an instrument that we use for good. Money spent for our own needs, yes, but also knowing that money is a tool that can benefit others. That is one reason the Bible teaches that we bring our tithes and offerings, an expression of our sense of responsibility and accountability to God, to be good stewards of that which is entrusted to us. Bible says that we must be tested. That means to give credible evidence of who we are and what our priorities in life are. And then there's reference to the deacon and marriage. Must a deacon be married in order to serve as a deacon? Scripture speaks of the wife of a deacon. Must one who serves as a deacon be married, have a wife? No, I do not think so. Rather, the implication is that if one is married, he is to be committed to that relationship. In the life of a Christian, there should not be a question of unfaithfulness to one's spouse. It's important that the deacon leader exemplify Christ's rule in his own heart and in the home. Then I ask you to consider, each one of you, the reward of a deacon. The deacon who serves well, and this means the one who exemplifies a love and devotion to Christ and his church, and one who exemplifies a love and care about the families that are under his oversee as a family deacon. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, 
It says there that the word of God kept on spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase in Jerusalem. The word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. What we have there in the New Testament is the evidence that with the outpouring of the Spirit and the indwelling presence in the lives of those who left that upper room, they went out boldly and boldly proclaimed. And the gospel had impact. And then they saw the need to identify these men of good reputation. And yes, skill sets, people skill sets, and appoint them to oversee the feeding of the widows. God's church today needs those who serve, not only as pastors, but as deacons, and those who serve taking care of the financial records and and the monies of the church. Those like Harold, who gives of his time and his knowledge, tending to some of the repairs. The pastor's office so beautifully made ready. I've walked through the building, the entire building of this church a couple of weeks ago. And I see in different places where loving care to detail has been done. One room I was interested in was a large room. A pool table set there. And my last memory was that that room was not bright, but today it is. Because one sitting back there at the sound system gave of his time, his strength, the very life itself to clean, to paint, and to brighten. Each one of us lead by personal example, and each one of us are to strive to do our job well. And each one of us, as we exemplify Christ to one another, we encourage one another. And as we go out from the meeting place, knowing that we exemplify Christ, God may well place someone in your pathway tomorrow or someday this week that the word you speak may mean the world to them in giving them hope, in giving them encouragement, or you may hear someone say, you're a Christian, aren't you? And you know how you will respond. And as you respond, affirming yes that you are, maybe God's Spirit makes known to you. Ask that person, invite that person to meet you at the meeting place of Covington Baptist Church next Sunday. God works in us that he might work through us. And so for each one, the deacons, yes, but for each one of you who sit there, when you remember you're doing your 
job well. You are exemplifying who we're called to be in Christ and for Christ, that when we pray, we pray for the church and its members. When you pray, you pray for the pastor and, and his role of leadership. You pray for the challenges that are to be faced of what is and what will be down the road sometime later. Each one of us, we do our job well as we're faithful to the Lord and to the work of his church, and the church will prosper and will have a greater future as we each one give of our time, our talents, and find a way to share some testimony of the witness of our faith with those out there who need to hear that testimony. I close with this word from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. It says there, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Milton, I'm glad that you're one of the several deacons who serve Christ in his church. And I've committed to pray for you and for your wife, for your leadership, for your input, for the insight you will have joined with that of the others. And I pray that together we will strengthen this church, both in its people and its members, but also in its impact in the community wherein this facility exists. The scripture says that those who serve well will have a high standing. That's a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. God calls us, and one day he gives the reward. Those who serve well know that one day we will hear God say, Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter therein. Our closing hymn this morning, Have Thine Own Way. Let this be a 